Hey guys, welcome to the program, and I hope you had a great, great, great Thanksgiving. This is part of just a multi-part series. I did one from Rush Limbaugh, one from President Abraham Lincoln, and now I'm going to tell you the story of Squanto. Squanto was a Native American man who helped the pilgrims. Most people don't know this story, but I think it's one of the most interesting stories about our Thanksgiving holiday ever shared, and it's an incredible piece of history. I also want to let you know that the original Thanksgiving, although we think of it as a day, was a 10-day celebration. And so, you know, for generations, the dominant cultural narrative of Americans' Thanksgiving holiday has told over time about a native fellow, an Indian, Squanto, and how he showed the pilgrims, as they've come to be known, how to get their food after they arrived on the Mayflower in Massachusetts in 1620. See, the pilgrims, kind of like today, were fleeing oppression. They couldn't practice their religion, be who they wanted to be. Think of them as the ultimate conservatives fleeing a, well, a monarchy. Fleeing theocracy, fleeing suppression. And so having to fled their native England, these new immigrants endured hardship in both privatization and both their journey, right? It was just hardship after hardship in their journey. Uh, they were deprived in many ways during this journey. Privatization means, you know, it's, it's the state in which the things are, that are essential for human well-being, such as food or warmth, are just lacking. And this was common for their journey. And they had to make an adjustment when they got to their new land. Those who survived in the early, early settlement were said to have gathered with native people in a feast of gratitude, establishing what we now know as the time-honored tradition of having a Thanksgiving dinner. And we now know it. You heard it in the story of me telling you about Abraham Lincoln, how it got established as the fourth Thursday of November. I want to try to give you some of the historical details, kind of take some of the mythologized story out. And I'm just going to focus on one life you should know about, and that is an Indian fellow by the name of Squanto. His actual name was Desquantum. He and his relatives, they would have been quite familiar with the tradition of Thanksgiving because it was and still is a practice of almost all natives of any chance, of any mix, in any location around the world. See, the act of Thanksgiving is not an American thing. It's a global thing of all giving thanks to their creators and having special days for it. And so the act of Thanksgiving or the spiritual practice of just Thanksgiving predates what you've come to know as the American holiday of Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Squanto, he was a member of the Patexic tribe of the Wapananogs. Tesquantum, according to stories, was most likely born around 1580. When he had encountered the pilgrims that set up Plymouth Colony, 
he already spoke English. See, he had lived, prior to that, five years in Europe, including time at the home of a London merchant. Yes, he's the Indian who walked up speaking English, and he proved indispensable to the English settlers at Plymouth. And in the end, was, well, hated and reviled by some of his own people for his role in brokering a treaty that they felt eventually undermined tribal sovereignty. Many say that without Tisquantum to interpret and guide them to food sources, the Plymouth, Plymouth Pilgrim may have never survived. And so I want to tell you this story and give you some of the history that goes with it. There's a journalist, a member of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe, Paula Peters. She said he is such a seminal backstory to Plymouth, Plymouth Colony, that the lack of historical reference to it, she says is conspicuous. It might be a little politics here. But she has written a long essay about Tisquantum, the Wampanoag, and the Pilgrims of the Colonial Society of Massachusetts. In some circles, his name is ubiquitous with Thanksgiving stories, but little is known of his life in true details, or his family, or his tribulations prior to encountering the colony settlers. The common story goes that Tisquantum spoke English after being kidnapped to Europe. Yep, some say it's a kidnapping story. The Wapanog, whose name literally means people of the first light, and their ancestors have lived in Pawtuxet for at least 10,000 years at that time. They hunted, fished, farmed corn, beans, and squash. That's called the Three Sisters. When they encountered for the first time by Europeans, they and their society was non-hierarchical system of governance and nature-based spirituality is said to have bewildered the new settlers. They just weren't understood. By 1619, the Wapapanog had survived a devastating plague that was brought to the Americas by European explorers, and that was called the Great Dying the Great Dying basically was a pandemic. And at that time, they said that close to 60 million people lived across the Americas, surviving off the lands, etc. But when the first Europeans came, checking out the land through waves of disease, that 56 million of those 60 million were said to have died. That's called the great dying. Of course, it's now being perverted to say it was climate change. But you can see how disease would do this. It's a common story. And Tisquanto's people, the disease killed about two-thirds of their 70,000 people who had been living in 69 different villages along what is now southern Massachusetts coast. 
so sudden and overwhelming was the sickness that came that when the Mayflower landed, its passengers were said to have to walk across, stride across the bleached bones of plague victims. Yep, they were piled up as a result of the great dying, separated from the tribes. They knew something was wrong with the bodies. They didn't know what it was. And so the story you don't hear of the great dying is bleached bones were piled high. Some of the colonists described the great dying as a providential act of God that made way for the flourishing of their Puritan faith. Now, to Squanto, or Squanto, he was able to escape this pandemic, this epidemic, this scourge, this filthy scourge that swept across the coast because he, years earlier, he had been lured, along with about two dozen other natives, onto a British ship that was bound for a slave market in Spain. Now, according to historians at Kent State University and authors of the book Shaping North America from Exploration to the American Revolution, it's said that when Squanto was taken, he escaped with the help of Catholic friars. And what happened is he made his way to London, where he ended up living with a fellow by the name of John Slaney, who was the treasurer of the Newfoundland Company, and which had colonized what's called Cupper's Cove in Newfoundland in 1610. It's said that Squanto likely used his connection to depart England for home, working on a ship for Captain John Mason, the Newfoundland's colony's governor. And so he found passage on a ship that brought him south, where eventually he made his way back to Pawtuxet. It is said that Squantum, Squanto, to Squantum, whatever you decide to reference him as, history has many names. He was one of among anywhere between 2 to 5.5 million Native Americans who were enslaved in the Americas between 1492 and 1880. Many of them were sent to work in the Caribbean. According to Wampanoag historian Linda Jeffers Coombs to Squantum, was only one of two tribal members, just one, out of all those who were able to find his way back home from the slave ship that had landed him in Spain. One side of the story says that pilgrims likely did not invite native people to their first harvest Thanksgiving. I'll let you decide that. See, on his return, Tesquantum was distraught to find that his people had been decimated by plague. And so when he encountered the Mayflower's ragged survivors, he, in fact, was an orphan himself. But he was uniquely poised to help them survive and, and willing to help them form a vital alliance with his native leader named Osamequin. 
Now, Tusquantum favored the English enough that he taught them how to grow corn and where and how to fish and hunt beaver. By doing this, he gained protection from the English at times from his own people who were angry for him teaching these outsiders those and how to survive. It is said that he helped negotiate a treaty between his people and the English, which allowed the natives to gain a powerful ally against their enemy, the Narragansett, a different tribe. But it was also empower- it empowered the English with the dominant rule of law while restricting the natives' use and display of weapons at meetings. This treaty led to subjugation, some say. They say that Squantum died while allied with the English, perhaps even poisoned by his own people in late 1622. That was, according to Nathaniel Philbrick in his book Mayflower, the story of courage, community, and war. As I said, some said it's likely the pilgrims didn't actually invite the natives to the first harvest, Thanksgiving, that's memorialized now in popular American holiday. In fact, the it was a tense, multi-days-long feast that convened to put at ease some of the 90 native warriors who had arrived at Plymouth fully armed in response to a volley of celebratory gunfire they had heard shot by the colonists. Colonists were partying. They pulled out their muskets and shot. Natives got worried. There was an attack. Came in armed to the teeth. Sources state that once they realized the gunfire wasn't intended at hostile, the natives actually killed five deer and brought them to Plymouth Colony as their contribution to what has been described as a harvest feast and perhaps a celebration of survival for making it through their second winter. One of the quotes, says Anita Peters, was, and Anita Peters, known as Mother Bear uh, in the Mashapee, one of the trial member, trial, tr- uh, tribal member, said, if you're going to get ready to eat, we will bring food for you, and that's who we are as a people. She says that that feast, that particular feast, was never repeated, and she says you should learn something from that. Naki Clearwater Northrup, museum educator at the Mashanucket Pequot Museum and Research Center, says the Thanksgiving holiday likely is conflated with several feasts held during that time period, including the pilgrims' celebration of their victory in what's called the Mystic massacre of 1637 in which 600 Pequots lost their lives in about an hour. That's a different story. Again, these stories modify over time and and you can see politics creeping into them. But I'll continue. Northrop says there was a the primary tragic moment in our history. It laid the foundation for colonialism and the first reservation was created right here in Connecticut, and it laid the blueprint for the rest of our Native 
relatives for generations to come. I can tell you as many times as I've toured these stories over the years, and I always give you updates. Now you can see a reflection of our society now. Keywords, colonialism, all this other stuff creeping into the telling of this story. But I'll stay faithful to as history records it now. Indigenous religions, which may have long included a ubiquitous ceremonies of giving thanks for many food sources throughout the year, they say would have been suppressed by the dominant culture of Christianity, yet the spiritual practices of propriety and thanksgiving for the gifts of earth survive among the natives and many other native nations to this day. Mother Bell says, when I was young, we were taught by our grandparents and great-grandparents to believe that the purpose of life is to be in a state of thanksgiving every day. Now, Squanto, as the story goes, is said to have come from a a village of hardworking and resourceful native people. It is said in their culture, the men of his tribe would travel up and down the coast on fishing expeditions. And it was the women who cultivated the corns, beans, and squash. He was unique in the fact that he was sold into slavery. They said aboard the ship of Captain Thomas Hutt. Under the pretense of promises of trade, but that wasn't it, right? They say they were captured to be sold into slavery. It's said that the Patexit people were outraged by the kidnappings, but there was really nothing there they could do, right? The Englishmen and their prisoners were gone, and then shortly thereafter, the whole village would be wiped out by disease, There is a person on the Mayflower, the pilgrim William Bradford. He said he got to know Squanto very, very well in the years later. And he's the one where we get the story that he got away for, you know, from England. He was entertained by a merchant. He was a translator, etc. He was truly an interpreter for the uh, Captain Thomas who was in the employ, actually, of Sir Fernando Jorge's. And he's the Englishman that helped find the, found the province of Maine back on where what was Squanto's home continent. It is said that on some of these logs and some of these records that were kept by Dermer and others, Captain Thomas Dermer, that as they approached the coast, going backwards in time, they they noticed how something was just really weird because the ancient native plantations, which were very well cultivated and populous, were now just utterly void. And this can explain why in the Americas some of the tribes that had manicured the manscape the landscape in many year, ways. Had just man had just disappeared, and ironically enough, the crew that brought Squanto back to what was the Americas, 
<laughs> they were they were attacked by the Wapanaw tribe uh, around what's called modern Martyr's Day. There's Martha's Vineyard, right? Dermer and 14 man managed to escape, but damn if Squanto wasn't taken captive by the tribe and he was wanting for his freedom again. So here he is, a prisoner of a competing tribe, truly. And he just kind of, from that standpoint, was watching back, watching what was going on with the English and suffering. And that's what uh, prompted him, right? And to approach the English. And they were said in the records kept by William Bradford that he just boldly walked up and started speaking to them in English. There's some people that said he walked up and said, Hey, friends, anybody got beer? <laughs> um. It's a pretty amazing story, but this person who should have been tainted by slavery and misery and everything else, he realized he needed to help these people survive, and it was his mastery of English that proved very useful for both parties. And again, I go back, you know, they, they agreed between the tribes and the English to help each other out if there was a problem. Probably one of the most important things that was brought down during time ta uh, time with the, this story, Squanto, was how he actually taught the English how to plant corn and squash and show them that it was easy to do. Many say, and, and I do believe this in an extent, that the pilgrims could not have survived without Squanto. And it gave him great power. Right? Now, what's interesting in the telling of this story, Esquanto was said to have quickly developed a reputation for being a bit manipulative and power-hungry. And so at one point, the pilgrims actually appointed another native advisor named Hamamak to keep Squanto in check. Some say, and you can imagine how the stories go, that he may have secretly wanted to seek revenge on a group of people who had once enslaved them. Who knows? But on top of that, Squanto was aware of how value would be become to the Wampatanag as the pilgrim's closest ally. You can't blame him. Bradford puts it, Squanto sought his own ends and played his own game, which he was entitled to do. Some say he exploited his power of fluency in English and had given him uh, over to uh, exerting stuff like threatening people who had displeased him or demanding favors in return for appeasing the pilgrims. One story in late 1622, according to Pilgrim Edward Winslow, says that Squanto had begun to spread lies among both the Native Americans and the pilgrims. His quote is, his course was to persuade the Indians that he could lead us to peace or war at his pleasure and would often threaten the Indians, sending them word in a private manner that we were intended shortly to kill them, and thereby he might get gifts for himself or to work for their peace. And so that whereas uh, people, right, within his tribes or the tribes 
would seek him out to save them. Some say perhaps the best way to understand Squanto's point of view is to take a closer look at his name to Squantum, which according to the Smithsonian was most likely not the name he was actually given at birth per the Smithsonian in that part of the Northeast to Squantum referred to rage, especially the rage of Manitou. That's an a world-suffusing spiritual power at the heart of coastal Indians' religious beliefs. So, rageful might be where some of these stories come from. Maybe even just the name he's referred to as Desquantum says a lot. Of course, some of the stories, one story is he stuck out his hand and said, hey, has anybody got beer? And one story says that he walk up stuck out his hand and said hello i'm the wrath of god if this wrath was true some of the stories say that squanto's wrath finally caused him to overstep his bounds when he falsely claimed that chief masoit had been plotting with enemy tribes they say it was a lie that was quickly exposed and the wampanoag people were enraged squanto was then forced to take shelter with the pilgrims who, although they'd become wary of him, refused to betray their ally by handing him over to certain death among the natives. It proved uh, not to matter, because in that month of Thanksgiving, November 1622, Squanto succumbed to some unknown fatal disease while he was visiting a native settlement called Monomoy, near what is now the modern day area called Pleasant Day. Bradford's journal memorialized this. In this place, Squanto fell sick of an Indian fever, bleeding much at the nose, which the Indians took for a symptom of impending death, and within a few days died there. Desiring the governor, which was Bradford, to pay for him, that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven and bequeath a sundry of his things to the sundry of his English friends as remembrance of his love of whom they had suffered a great loss. Squanto was buried later in an unmarked grave and today nobody knows where Squanto truly rests. And now you know some of the native version of our great Thanksgiving.